What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 76 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agan, and my usual co-host, Ryan Smith, is enjoying some well-deserved time off, so he is not here this week. But luckily, I'm not alone to babble by myself. I am joined by a very special guest who is fresh off a closer look at their upcoming game, Tribes of Midgard, during Summer Game Fest and E3. It's Norsefell CEO and Creative Director, Julian Moroda. Julian, how are you, my friend? I'm super well. Thank you, Lucas, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. We're excited to have you. I know it's been a crazy few weeks. Let me just start generally. How was E3 and Summer Game Fest and and giving people a a bigger look at Tribes? It was both fantastic events for us uh, in the sense that we had been kind of holding back a bit at showing what Tribes was going to become. And we've been working on this game for so many years, almost four years now, right? From from the the first pitch in Indiation to now almost releasing um, on July 27th on PC, PS5, and PS4. And just having that ability and that platform to really showcase the the game um, to all of these newcomers was just, uh, yeah, just a great fantastic opportunity finally get it out in the wild and on our side finally like being able to talk a bit more about it as well you know that always seems like such a unique feeling when the game was largely secretive or or, you know holding back details for the for the full reveal then all of a sudden these uh, a vast amount of people are getting a, a bigger look at it what is that like as one of the creators to to have such a big audience kind of feast their eyes upon it yeah, there were, uh, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, I think we went beyond a million on, on the show. Um, so it's it's fun, but it's also kind of scary, of course. It's like showing your baby that you've been uh, creating for the last four years or so and say, like, do you like my baby? Like, <laughs> please don't be too harsh about it. <laughs> and uh, overall, yeah, the, the community has been, uh, has been amazing with us. Uh, very uh very few toxic comments which is uh always always very pleasing uh, to read people are enthusiastic they can see the value of what we're creating and the kind of new genre uh, we're trying to build and uh, yeah response has been phenomenal so we're just uh, super eager to keep on uh, rolling with that marketing campaign and, and finally release the game in in less than a month now my god uh, <laughs> finally getting there it's coming up fast and- yeah too fast uh, not too fast but like it's it's as always like a mix of of, uh, of stress because you're releasing it and uh, Tribes of Midgard being a, a live operated game this is by far it, it, it's just the beginning basically right so we're going to release uh, uh, Tribes with this first season that packs a whole bunch of, uh, of new content and features for those who've played some of our open betas and, and we can talk a bit more about that uh, uh, later but yeah it's just the beginning of, of that uh, great adventure um, that we have uh, Gearbox on board with uh, with us to, to make it happen so so yeah kind of excited well kind of super excited but also kind of a bit uh, like well you know like you're releasing your game so it's it's the thing we've been putting sweat and tears in uh, for the last four years so um, but definitely happy to get there perfect and i'm excited to kind of take a deeper dive into it i want to start though if you can take me back to the beginning how did norsefell kind of come together Mm. so as norsefell we actually started way back in 2013 
uh, with uh, yeah three uh, three friends in uh, in Montreal. We just uh, we were all working in the industry and wanted to try um, try to yeah get out of there and, and do it for ourselves. And and I remember in the last uh, in the last company I was as a game designer, the CEO was really trying to get me in, like to keep me in rather this, uh, to tell me like no like dude like we're going to do great things here. You should not leave. You should stay with us. But then when I told him, like, look, uh, his name is Alex from Ludia. I'm like, look, Alex, like, I need to try. And he's like, well, I was like you like 20 years ago. I wanted to try and uh, I cannot hold you back from trying. And that was really where we wanted to, uh, to go. And we said, well, if it doesn't work, we'll see soon enough. But if it does, then that's really what we want to do. And that's how we started with uh, just uh, four uh, four people that uh, company Northfell in in 2013, um, and we focused on on various games. Uh, I would say, firstly, more always multiplayer games, but we started more um, on mobile as it was easier for our team to tackle in terms of scope. And then we slowly but surely grew the company uh, to now uh, 28 people um, now in in uh, 2021. So yeah, it's been a, an amazing journey. Uh, it was always core to us that we would do multiplayer games, and our uh, slogan, our motto was always that we wanted to forge new experiences, new games, new genres that bring people together. Uh, that's really at the core of what we do. Um, and when we say bring people together, we don't only mean within the game, but for us, something that's extremely important and and. And uh, I think it shows is that we're involving our community also in the designing phase. Um, and for us, uh, we think that's one of the reasons why, why Tribe gained so much traction so early. It's because we kind of shifted the, the model and, and our community really saw that. Yeah, you know, that's a wonderful motto. And I love that motto, you know, to, to put that into practice and and to to really form new genres and to bring people together what are you looking for in in concepts and ideas that will kind of be able to to act on that model it's 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 very hard to answer in the sense that um i think the starting point is basically trying to see what we like as a team um it was definitely the case with uh, tribes of midgard we were huge fans of uh, Don't Starve and, and mm-hmm. especially more Don't Starve together. And we thought like Don't Starve is super fun, but it's still not very easy to get into. It's kind of, it's a bit rough on the edges, not in terms of, of design, but just in terms of, of uh, target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, it's it's definitely like the first time you play Don't Starve, you're probably going to play 10 minutes because you're going to be dead. And so we thought, how can we kind of expand on that and and make a game that's, a survival game because that's a genre we really liked but that's way more accessible uh, way more accessible to a larger audience so that players that aren't as hardcore that are more i wouldn't say casual but that that are not looking for that type of super hard challenge can also appreciate the beauty of the design of a survival game and that was really the starting point for uh, tribes was to uh, make sure we would create um, and we call it a new genre because it's it is like it's a mix of several influences, but survival games are a major influence in the game. Um, and our whole twist to create a new genre was instead of surviving as an individual, having thirst, hunger, heat, all of these uh, gauges you need to maintain, you're going to survive as a community. And so instead of of maintaining your own health, you're going to maintain what we now have um, in tribes, which is the seed of Yggdrasil. 
So that world tree at the center of the village. If that tree dies, it's game over for everyone in that world. So that's what you need to maintain. Uh, for lack of a better term, we now call this genre Sir Thrival <laughs> because you're surviving <laughs> and thriving. That's kind of the latest we've, uh, we've decided to call it. But yeah, it does feel familiar because it uses a lot of the codes of a survival game, but it's not a survival game. So it's kind of that new in between. And for us, it, it's really aligned with uh, what we were trying to achieve with, uh, with the studio. When did tribes kind of enter your space? Like how, how long ago were, were the original root ideas kind of taking hold? So it started in uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. That's kind of towards the end of, of 2017, we started um, experimenting, even prototyping stuff with, there was a village you had to defend, there were giants coming in. That was something we, we added very early on. Um, and then all of a sudden, or, or rather the, the pivotal moment was in 2018, there was a contest organized by Ubisoft in Montreal. Um, they run it every year now, but it was the first edition called the Ubisoft Indie Series. And out of 44 participants, we came first. And for us, that was a huge validation from Ubisoft uh, saying there is something there. Like what we're trying to achieve and the whole vision we had. And, and of course, it was still very early. Um, but that vision we had was very very fine and and resonated very well with industry leaders where they exact they saw immediately where we were going and they thought yeah this there is something there and so that's really <laughs> where where we um we started thinking well yeah like let's focus on this project because there seems to be some traction and then we managed to raise uh some additional funding uh through a uh, a fund in canada uh kept on working and then started talking with uh, Sony, who was very interested in having the game as an exclusive because um, they were really looking for 10-player games or multiplayer games with more than just a few players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had been following that game for a while. And of course, Gearbox, we had the, an ongoing relationship for many years and uh, they were looking at it for, <laughs> for a good moment and in the end decided that uh, uh, um, it, was, uh, it was a game they wanted in their portfolio. And in our case... When we decided to sign with Gearbox, we had four other offers on the table, but we thought that Gearbox was the best partner uh, to realize that vision, and we couldn't be happier of where we are now. That partnership with Gearbox, you know, I know that you said you had a longstanding relationship with them already. Ultimately, was was did that play a big role into ultimately deciding with them over the other offers you had on the table? Yeah, having relationships, it's 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 everything, right? In mm-hmm. You see that a lot in, in business development. It's not so much about, look, let me rephrase. People often think they make very rational decisions when they want to work on a project. I can tell you that more often than not, it's more because you're friends and buddies. And yes, there is some rationality behind, but it's also because there is that natural fit where mm-hmm. you feel like you're aligned. Mm-hmm. And that is very precious. And if it's a relationship that you've been developing for several years and you see each other at events, uh, you keep you keep uh, each other posted because tribes, like I remember at GDC showing it, I think it was GDC 20, uh, 2019 then, showing like a, still an early prototype to uh, yeah a handful of uh, people at Gearbox. And, and then they were like, well, okay, well, like this is cool. Like we like that. And then six months later at Gamescom, you show and you show all the progress, like, cool, we still like that. We like it even more. And so it's, it took uh, more than a year of showcasing tribes to get there, actually more than that, a year and a half. But that relationship was there uh, for mm-hmm. throughout all of that process and even before. Um, and for us, yeah, we, 
like when we discussed, we saw we were aligned with what we wanted to do and, and the vision we had. And and yeah, it's it's it really comes down to are we getting along and do we have the same vision? If you tick those two boxes, uh, usually it's the right partner to to go with. And and we had, I wouldn't lie, like we had offers that were quite high and some higher than Gearbox, and but we chose not to go with them because we couldn't see really where this was going. So at the end of the day, that's not the, what matters. What matters is having the right partner and we're convinced that we, we made the right choice with Gearbox. Good. That's fantastic. And, you know, obviously the, the great show you did have at Ubisoft Indie was, was amazing. Just out of curiosity, had you not placed first, would that have affected how aggressively you followed this idea? Um, I don't think it would have affected it. It might have affected how we were able to raise uh, funds after because that fund we raise money from is called the Canada Media Fund. It's mm-hmm. great fun, uh, great for smaller developers. Uh, very, um, it's all about supporting uh, promising ideas uh, coming from from smaller developers. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe that one of the reasons why we managed to secure some funding from them was thanks to that win with Ubisoft because it's it's like everything. If they see, well, why does Ubisoft think this is awesome? Like. Who am I to then say this is not uh, kind of? And so I think yeah, we did score some some extra points for that, and in the end managed to get the the funding. Uh, so I it's it's hard to say if it would have impacted us. On our side, we were pretty convinced when we started that yeah, we were onto something. Uh, but of course, having a tap on the back to tell you you do have something is always nice. So. How how early were the the mythological elements to it? I mean, obviously we've seen it through Thor, even Assassin's Creed, Valheim. Mm-hmm. It's 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 in, I guess, if you want to put it one way. I mean, how early in the process was, was that a part of this? It was very early on because. I mean, even our company logo and name, Norsefell, I mean, <laughs> you kind of get a sense of what we like, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, being big fans of Norse mythology uh, all along, um, we went into that avenue very uh, very quickly. But the funny thing is, uh, so back in 2017-18, we defined our, our, our so three major trends that were happening in the industry. And those trends were survival games are becoming more and more popular. Mm-hmm. Cooperative game are making a huge comeback. Uh, there's so much PvP that a lot of PvE is happening. And the third one uh, was Vikings are on the rise because we could kind of see with series like Vikings, the Thor movies. And, and so I'm talking 2017, 2018 here, right? And so we see those three trends and it's like, how can we make it at a crossroads? So making a game that's uh, co-op and survival with Viking elements. And that's exactly what we were going for. And then all of a sudden, like you have now people who had probably the same train of thoughts of, hey, look, like Vikings are becoming hot again. Um, and in our case, we're like, yeah, like we've been preaching this choir like for, for ages. Like we know it's going to be hot. Like we, we foresaw that happening. Um, and then, yeah, you have uh, God of War being like in the Vikings, Assassin's Creed with the Vikings. And then Valheim, like big surprise also, like, well, okay, also Vikings. But yeah, we could, like, it, again, it's something where we decided almost four years ago. It's just crazy to see that, uh, um, like everything, like IDs are shared and people see the same kind of trend. So it's just normal that at the end of the day, you do have that influx of uh, of games uh, using that mythology now. 
you know, when you mentioned too that co-op is making a huge comeback, that that's one trend that I am super happy about. But f- from from the development side, why why do you guys think co-ops made such a comeback in in recent years? So I would I would I would uh, distinguish two two things or two trends. Uh, first is because oh three trends, games are becoming more and more about live ops um, instead of risking your finances on one game and if it's not a success you move on to the next one more and more companies now because those games are becoming so vast and so complex and so big what you do is you release it of course and then you keep on maintaining it and even if it doesn't succeed completely at launch you spend time and effort into until it's good again and you see things like rainbow six siege which is making more money now than it was six years ago when it came out and our sea of thieves releasing a brand new update um it's much less risky because once you put all of this effort, you then keep on maintaining it. So in that idea of a live ops games, it's much easier to make it multiplayer so that you're not just doing like solo with DLCs. You have to make it multiplayer. But the issue with making it multiplayer is that there's so many games being uh, multiplayers right now, especially on the PvP space, which is extremely hard to get into because it's so much more complex to make a PvP game. Um, I think a lot of developers thought, well, hang on, like how about instead of PvP, we make PvE. So those are two trends. And the third trend is, well, especially now in this day and age with COVID, people not being able to see each other found a lot of comfort in being able to play in virtual spaces together, not to fight each other, but to play together. Um, and and you see successes like uh, like It Takes Two, uh, which is uh, a game like I've, I've recently uh, uh, finished, which I really loved. But you see a lot of that where people are finding or trying to find ways to play together. Um, and in that sense, yeah, I just having cooperative games. Uh, easily accessible or available is, is is a huge bonus and i'm curious how did you guys arrive at 10 as, as the right number it seems like it seems like they go to like four <laughs> or you know if you get into a battle royale then they just try and jack up the number as high as possible so what, what made exactly. 10 the right number for this experience um a lot of uh, back and forth or tests at first I, I believe that the first pitch was 25 or 20 Mm-hmm. And then we thought that is unmanageable <laughs> and we didn't <laughs> want to go to four because four is a classic uh, co-op catch co-op experience. So I guess we decided on 10 also for performance uh, reasons. And mm-hmm. so, and, and to a certain extent, you need to be able to balance the game from one to 10 to, and that is, that is tricky. Uh, but from one to 25, that's even trickier. And so we kind of settle on 10 as a number of saying like, you know what? Not everybody has 10 friends uh, or nine friends. Like it's not what we expect. What what we think is there's going to be a lot of players uh, playing with just a handful. And and by the way, just to make it perfectly clear, you can play any amounts in between the two. You can play solo. You can play with two players, three, four. Depends what you want to do. But we also wanted to do something um, which we think is going to be very exciting is to allow streamers to play with their community or with their streamer buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that context, getting a total of 10 players is is approachable. Um, and that's why we still wanted to keep a, a cap that was high enough to kind of allow this grand scale uh, type of, of gameplay. And it's something that, um, that works very well. Um, it, again, it's not required uh, to play the game and enjoy it. You can totally enjoy it with just a few buddies, but you do get that sense of scale uh, when you play with 10 players. 
Were there during playtesting, were there any unexpected things you saw once you saw 10 players going through this? Just one? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's it's hard to say, right? Because Tribes was, uh, you have different approaches to game design. And, and mm-hmm. uh, what we do with Tribes is to make sure that we also let the game kind of dictate what it wants to be, as well mm-hmm. as with the community. Um, there are so many things where we just tried and then we're like, this is cool. And then it sticks, but it was never, I wouldn't call it emergent gameplay, but it's, it was never designed like that. And it's just after experimenting with different um, aspects of the game, we're like, okay, well, this is cool. Like, let's keep that, uh, that aspect. So game feels different when you play solo, when you play 10 players, there's no doubt about it. Uh, We do have a lot of control over the experience. We have auto scaling so that even if you start with two players and you have a handful that are joining you after, the game will adjust directly to a new level on many parameters. And if they leave, it will adjust back. Um, so like, we don't play on the same things in solo as we do in multiplayer. Like on multiplayer, we're much more focused on, on, on having a tight economy, whereas in, in solo, we're making sure that you're not getting killed directly by a giant because you just get one punch and you're out. So right. we, we balance those and the experience feel different in the end, which is great because then you can have a session on, I don't know, Wednesday night, you play solo, you earn some rewards, and then the next day you play with your buddies and the experience feel different on top on top of having the procedural generation and all of these elements that make uh, the game feel fresh uh, again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's true that it's, 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 a, it's a massive challenge for a small team. We're extremely happy with where we are right now. There was a lot of trial and errors. <laughs> we're constantly <laughs> tweaking the balance, but good thing is uh, we have so many levers we can play on that it's, it's uh, pretty quick for us to adjust one way or the other good perfect we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we are gonna take a deeper dive into tribes and and get a uh, hopefully a, a closer look at what we can play in july we'll be right back Welcome back. Thanks for listening to that short message. And let's take a deeper dive into tribes here. And it is such a unique concept. So you can do a far better job than I could. For people who are unfamiliar with tribes still, how would you pitch the game to them? So in tribes of Midgard, you play as an Ainayar. So a uh, Viking chosen by Odin himself to help defend Midgard against Ragnarok. Um, you play that Ainayar as a, um, a uh, Viking that's been uh, put back in Midgard, where you will start by gathering resources, uh, forge better equipment in order to survive as long as possible in that world. And that means taking down giants, defending your own village with the seed of Yggdrasil that's at the center of the village. Um, and you can do that with just one player or up to 10 players. It's a game that's, as you can see here, and, and I think there was that article on Engage It where they said that uh, Jeff Keighley almost stumbled upon the description <laughs> when he read it at the Summer Game uh, Fest. But it is because, as we discussed, it is a new genre. Um, it's very hard to summarize in a few words. Um, again, we call it survival. It uses a lot of, of what a survival is, but in a much more cooperative um, experience. 
and yeah it's it's a game that's better played than explained definitely because uh, there's so many mechanics there's so much depth that it's really something that once you get your hands on it you go okay i get it now but yeah pitching it is it's much harder yeah, you know, it, it is what the the trailer was amazing. I mean, I was already on board for it and, and I'm I'm very excited that it's right around the corner, July, like as you said, less than a month away. Thank yeah. goodness, because I can't wait to get my hands on it. When when you're balancing the systems, what what is the, the most difficult levers you have to pull just just in general game systems of, of resource management, crafting, and then uh, some of the other survival aspects that come into it. Yeah, I think so. We can distinguish two things. Mainly how we do it is uh, there is uh, game economy. Um, mm-hmm. So how the, um, I mean, crafting costs, resource availabilities. Um, this changes drastically if you're 10 players or if you're one player, right? Uh, when you start, the best is always to uh, go and get uh, some wood sticks, some uh, flint so as to be able to craft your first uh, pickaxe and wood axe well guess what if you start a bit late all of the sticks and, and flints have been, are just being harvested by all the other players and so you start and you're like well like how am i going to do right mm-hmm. um so we do a couple of things to to help with that of course the resources respawn uh you can go a bit further to get uh, to get some new ones but we also have a war chest in the village where you can store everything and that is shared among all of your uh, all of your uh, tribes people that are with you, um, and that is done automatically. So if you dump your uh, materials in that chest, you go to a crafting station; it will automatically take from the chest. So to make it very communal and cooperative, that's something you can do. But there's also other things we do, like you can equip a starter kit that allows you to start with that basic pickaxe and wood axe so you don't even have to worry about that um about collecting that so economy is 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 always tricky uh, we play with prices we play with availabilities even thanks to things like map size because when you're solo there is so much more exploration you need to do on your own so we mm-hmm. give you a smaller map whereas in multiplayer there's a bigger map so yeah that that is more on the uh, on the economy side um and then there is just on the pure combat side where of course, we need to make sure that the enemies respond to the kind of um, amount of players you are. Otherwise, yeah, you'd be dead. So we make it much harder when you're in multiplayer than when you're in solo. And so all of these combined uh, make something that works very well. And it's very iterative. Like I, I don't believe there is any hard science. It's just we we test, we get feedback. We've done many many tests on this game from the closed alpha alphas we did almost two years ago uh, to the open betas to the closed technical test we did um, and then we adjust based on feedback again with the community um, and uh, it's something we know that will constantly be fine-tuning um, even even as the game expands in the in the future to come yeah you know listening to your community especially when you're you're trying something new like this is how essential is that then to really have your ear open to what your players are saying and adjustments that need to be made Mm -hmm. um for us it was very natural to do it very early on so i'm talking two years ago so two years before the game was even uh uh well, was was a month away from launching that like we started doing closed alphas. We went to um, to uh, PAX East. Uh, we recruited, recruited. We would just show the game, people played, and then we told them, oh, there's going to be a closed alpha you can take uh, part in from the comfort of, of your living room. So we were hand, handing out keys. And then we did that three times. And 
like it'd be too funny to play the game in the state it was because it was so early i don't think that you even had potions like when you had when you were missing hp you had to return to the village uh, to heal yourself and that was the only way uh to do it so very early on we saw what worked and what didn't and and i think more importantly we realized that that new core loop we created for that new genre so where you harvest resources uh, and you earn souls and you have to bring those souls back to the tree and mm-hmm. that's what that's the gate you maintain was working extremely well and even with that few mechanics people were having a blast um, and so we did that those three closed alphas and then a bit later we did our first open beta on steam and that just blew through the roof uh, we got over a hundred thousand players we got to the front page of steam front page of twitch um, and we saw that yeah not only did players respond very well but also the the streaming community were saying well this is dope it's a survival game but it feels different i can play with my buddies and so we had yeah we had some major streamers that just played a game for for uh for a good while and we had some very dedicated players some of them who reach uh, day 146 in the game over a weekend so that was the equivalent of, uh, over four days so we had a team that played 20 hours straight uh during during oh four goodness. days which was just amazing to see and again it was it was far from far from 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 being completely finished in term uh, in term of game but uh but yeah it was uh it was just fantastic to see that kind of uh that kind of reception um from from a community and we made sure that we would keep that dialogue open um even after signing with the publisher and gearbox was very aware of what we wanted to do with the community we still have our ongoing um dedicated fan program called the mid guardians and there's more than a thousand uh mid guardians in uh, in uh, in our group and yeah they do we do things like uh, like running a um, a closed technical test which they can take part in and then provide feedback um and that is something we'll uh, we'll continue on, on maintaining and doing because um again it goes back to our to what i was saying at the beginning with our uh our motto or slogan of, of forging new genres to bring people together that's completely part of it what should players know if if they you know if they haven't played games like like a don't starve or whatever they're kind of coming in blind to to the general idea of 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 a game like tribes what should they do first what should they do to to be ready to kind of maximize their their uh playthroughs super tough question we do have a tutorial in the game so uh, at least they'll get to uh, to learn the basics uh, for sure it's always hard in a tutorial to convey everything uh, mm-hmm. at once of course but it gives you the the right tools to really start your experience. What we're anticipating um, is going to happen is that you're going to see a lot of uh, top ten tips to play tribes, play through or like let's play tribes for two hours, how to get past your first Jotun, uh, things like that. Because if I compare it to other games of of the in a similar genre, that's what happens because those games are so intricate. There's so much depth. There's so many things to do. Uh, the amount of, of, of videos on, on how to survive in Ark or in Rust is just staggering. Um, and we anticipate the kind of um, the kind of response from a community because they helped us build the game that they will be the first one also to jump in and say like, look, like if you do this and this and this, you stand a much much better chance of surviving your uh, your tenth night or so. Um, so yeah, we anticipate a lot of that. There is really no way around it <laughs> because of, of the type of game we're making. But again, if you do the tutorial, you're covered already. It's just if you want to really understand the depth of it, um, I'm sure some people will uh, will release guides to to help you there. 
you know, too, and, and once this game is, is released into the wild officially here, what what are the post-release plans? I mean, how how often can we expect new seasons and, and whatnot? Or are you still kind of mapping that out? Mm-hmm. So we have our own uh, internal goals in terms of uh, our of the frequency to which we release updates. We haven't communicated that yet. Uh, we will in due time. But what I can say is the overall vision for the game is, of course, to create to reinterpret the Norse myth and really present Ragnarok in all of its uh, different uh, in different aspects with the different creatures that everyone knows. So it's a sandbox game where at the end of the day, we want players to come in and, and relive that, that Ragnarok, that Viking apocalypse um, with everything they know about it. So yeah, we kickstart season one, uh, which we call the, 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 the wolf saga. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be other sagas uh, with other creatures after and, it's not like we're going to remove what we made in the first saga to make way for the second saga. It's just we want to build on top of everything we do so that maybe two years from now, three years from now, you have a game with us uh, with many mythological creatures you can go and fight against. You can go to different realms of the Norse mythology. All of this is going to happen in that sandboxy elements and we're going to keep on building and expanding uh, what we do in the game uh, through uh, the feedback from the community mostly and through all of the plans we have internally. So yeah, it's just, it's going to be an ever evolving epic tale of of Norse mythology. And uh, I would love that, yeah, by like, again, two or three years from now, people are like, okay, well, if you want, if you want to know about Norse mythology or you want to immerse yourself in a like ever evolving world that is procedural that has the 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 survival aspect you just go play tries because this game is going it has so much to offer um it has already a ton of things to offer uh but it's just our vision to keep on expanding for free uh, which is important too it's free updates we're going to roll out uh with the seasons um and yeah uh, make sure you you join in early because of course every season has some exclusive content so that's also something where uh, uh, we want the, the community to discover is what kind of content we deploy, uh, and then they can uh, yeah they can they can uh, check that content per season. I imagine that's got to be both an exciting and and a little bit of a, a daunting prospect for a studio to to have the the support plans for the future. Which I mean, obviously it, it's great, and as a player. I mean, I do appreciate it. I love it. But as a developer, is there something that you guys need to do to be ready to, to have that level of dedication toward a project like this? Yeah, absolutely. It is, uh, it is, it is daunting. It is exciting. I think one of the, the biggest thing to kind of wrap your head around is that like we're, as we speak, like we're closing, we're closing the, the game right now. Uh, but at the same time, we're like, yeah, like with like tomorrow or so when we finally submit the final version, we're going to be like, yay. And then, well, let's keep on working because there's <laughs> still so much things we want to do. We have to prepare the next uh, the next season update. We have to uh, prepare the next update and so forth. So it's exciting in the sense that we never say no to a feature in the sense that we say like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could? And like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Not now. But how about like in, in a few months from now? Uh-huh. Um, so it's very rare that we just say straight no to something. It's more cool. When do we want to do that? And and how is the community react to this? If like is that something that we feel is really needed? Let's see how the game uh, is felt uh, by the community. And then if we see that community is saying there's a true lack of this, then maybe we can move that up um, in our in our list. So that's the exciting thing. Um, the kind of daunting thing is that, yeah, well, 
we were making the game and doing like regular updates internally and all of a sudden it's out and you can no longer do things the same way you have to readapt players are going to have expectations which is totally normal so we have to match those expectations and but again we're a small team um and uh there is only so much we can do so uh we're very against uh, overtime so that's not something we want to go to either so um there's going to be a relationship and a dialogue an open dialogue with the community saying like look like we're only a small team um right. and yeah we need to make it work but we'll do our best to do what's the most important first um and and yeah to keep up with the kind of expectations that that you have how did COVID over the past year kind of affect your guys' development? Um, we're all working from home, as as you can see uh-huh. from uh, from behind me. Um, but overall, it's it's tricky. Of course, uh, I mean from a from a mental perspective, it's hard. Um, a lot of of uh, people in the company aren't from uh, from Montreal either. I, I mentioned that I'm and I'm not either. So yeah, being away from your family while you're making the game is. Is an is an extra challenge because uh, we're putting our heart and soul um, in this game, and and yeah, being able to interact with your friends and seeing your family, I feel like we've been really sheltered because of this. In terms of of production, we saw a bit of a decrease in velocity in some places, but also an increase in in velocity where people are so focused, so much more focused at home that uh, they can really think things through when they when they make them and that kind of um, helps sometimes going faster on some of the uh, mechanics we're implementing at the same time i would say to reach really the 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 top levels of quality to get from i don't know 80 percent or 85 percent quality to 90 percent or 95 it's much harder because those things are very easy to do in person where you just sit next to a person you just show hey like like this thing like can we can we move that animation or how about the arm is a bit like this or or that asset like how about like we we rotate it this way or whatever that is very easily done in person much harder to say or explain with with your hands even if you do share screen and camera you're like there is that missing connection so i would say there is some value in 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 working from home there is some value in working from the office and that's why we kind of are uh, going towards a hybrid model where when we'll be able to uh, go back to the to the office uh, because that's also what our employees uh, employ- yeah our employees are are wanting um, and in that sense uh, we think that yeah uh, it would make more sense to just uh, do a mix of both but yeah, yeah I won't lie it's it's been challenging we actually signed with Gearbox. I think the Friday on the on a Friday on the Monday the US was close was closing and, and announcing the lockdown. Um, oh my goodness! So yeah, we visited Gearbox in February uh, twenty twenty, um, and then we signed in March just before the lockdown. So yeah, at, at the end of the day, yeah, timing timing was was that could have been way worse for us. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, <laughs> COVID is what it is, uh, and it's challenging. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, we do uh, we did make it work somehow. Good, good, good. You know, obviously, there's a lot of, of standouts about this game. I do love the art style too. I, mean, I I just think it's it's fun. It's unique. How long did it take you guys to kind of arrive at that art style? Hmm. So very early on, our art director, who is also a co-founder of uh, of the company, uh, came out with that art very early on, and I'm I know how he came to that. It was because we were exploring mythology we thought how can we 
give a sense of uh, of storytelling through the art style and he thought that if we use kind of a of a comics look with there is hashing on uh, on our shadows for instance so it is it's self-shaded but it's also more than that we have some special shaders who do hashing um and that gives a look of yeah it's a, uh, almost like a comic book and in a sense that creates a feel of uh or like I'm, I'm part of a of a story i'm part of a of an old book uh and i'm playing through that old book and it goes very well with the mythology um so that's one side and the other side of course is you see how bright it is and how colorful it is and we had some critiques saying like what are you guys saying like you're you're talking about ragnarok and the end of the world is like the brightest ragnarok <laughs> you've ever seen and i'm like Absolutely. Like that's what, exactly what we wanted to do. The brightest Ragnarok you've ever seen because you're playing as an INAR. Uh, so those Vikings that died and are then returned just for this moment. So in their mind, it's not so much a curse or it's a sad story. It's the opportunity literally of your lifetime to finally prove yourself. You want to go out and show that, yeah, you're going to defend this realm. Um, and in that context, we wanted to create something very bright, something colorful, inspiring. You're not defeated or sad because it's the end of the world. No, you want to prove yourself. You want to show who you are and you're almost excited to to prove your worth. And that is um, reflected through the art style, the colors, um, and also through uh, what was mentioned earlier about trying to open the genre to a much wider audience. So we didn't want to do something that was too dark too kind of hard to get into we wanted something that was inviting where people are like oh well, this looks cool like oh it's a kind of a survival game i've always wanted to try a survival game and it looks appealing it doesn't look like it's it's gonna tear me apart in the first five minutes of a game so yeah i wanna i wanna give it a go um and yeah for all these reasons we chose uh, we chose to go with that uh, that art style perfect you know as you mentioned before too when you guys saw the trends that were coming together and then started tribes. And then, you know, even in the past couple of years, we've seen all the trends you saw start to, to really push to fruition here. Is, is there a part of you that's like, oh man, now everybody else jumped on the train too. And, and, and I don't know, yeah. is, is, is there a worry about that side of things? I, I wouldn't call it a worry. Um, it's just, it can, it, it's, it's cool because mm -hmm. As part, as part of our objective to uh, make the Norse mythology most well-known, because more well-known, because there was also something that was part of why we did this, is uh, the Norse mythology is very mis not misunderstood, but it's not that well-known if you compare it to other mythologies, although it had a ma massive impact on our Western cultures. So we wanted to kind of not teach, but at least raise awareness around Norse mythology. So in that sense, it's cool to see there is more and more, and people now know some of the major deities uh, of Norse mythology, whereas probably three years ago or four years ago, you would ask, name five Norse gods, and people would be like, uh, Odin, Thor, and then and then probably stop there. Um, so there is that, that kind of education that's there, and that's that's awesome. What hurts a little is when we see players saying uh, like, "Oh, like this game looks exactly like this other game that just came out." And like, well, you're aware that I did not take like the trailer of, of this <laughs> other title and just made the game overnight. Like we've been doing that for four years. It just happens that this game launched a few months before us. So yeah, that is sometimes a bit. Uh, it stings a bit because like. 
come on uh, like if you if you follow the whole story of what we did like even the open beta as we did two years ago we've been there for a very long time and, and building right. our community and and we can feel that in our community i was mentioning the, the toxicity earlier like our community is really coming to our defense saying like <laughs> what are you saying like these guys have been around like you can even see like streams from streamers from two years ago on this game right it's just we've been there forever and we've been building that game for the community and that's why overall like response has been phenomenal because most people understand that but as always you have a few uh, who will points point towards the floor but overall we make very different games uh, from from the competition yes you can always find similarities in everything and again we're happy that these types of game are getting more and more popularity but yeah i can assure you that if you play tribes you're gonna be in for a very different experience than uh, than any other games what do you think is the key to making a a classic game or a game that that truly stands out and, and is willing to take risks uh if i had a yeah crystal ball or a recipe <laughs> uh, but i would say if you're too conservative in your approach, uh, from, really from a design perspective, if you do something that's been done 10 times before, unless you do have the budget to do it, then yeah, that works. Uh, and you're just doing an improvement of something that exists. If you're a small uh, developer, the key is really to find something that's brand new, uh, totally fresh. But I would say if you go too fresh, too new, uh, you become too experimental. Mm -hmm. um, and that's great too like you have fantastic experimental games uh in our case we didn't want to be too experimental we kind of wanted to be um in a place where we would provide an experience that you've never played something like that but at the same time it still feels familiar so it's just about taking a couple of recipes and rearranging the ingredients a bit differently and adding a few more things rather than just starting from scratch and, and doing a brand new recipe and I think that's where you get to a point where you have something that players can understand in a sense because they see, like they can they can recall things they play that are or, or other games that are kind of in the same league. But at the same time, like oh, but it's this and this, but it does that, and and that is where we want it to be. And I think uh, from a smaller developer standpoint, that's where you want to be because if you do, like if if you try to do a, a, a new platformer. That's exactly like Mario. Well, chances are <laughs> Mario is still going to be better than your game. But if you do something different that no one has ever done, well, you're the first. And maybe we'll see some copycats of tribes in a couple of years where the people are going to say, like, put a lot of money in something similar in that new survival genre because that's the future. Who knows? Um, but in our case, yeah, that was, uh, that was very important to, to, uh, to, be, um, to have that differentiator on the market. Was was it an easy decision to be open to working with streamers? I, I know that there seems to be two tracks that I see games take. Either they're very open or they go to the opposite extreme and they, they mm. don't like the, the, the streaming side of things. So what made working with streamers important to the success of, of this game up to this point here? For us, it was critical. Um, and, and I... I actually really don't get why people would be opposed to uh, not working with uh, streamers from a very early, uh, very early development phase. Because for us, again, like it's you don't want to like you want to make a game that is easily streamable. Because then you see players having a great ton of fun, and this is shown to many other thousands or millions of players. So 
you want that. You want to build that that trust relationship. And I would say something that we see a lot of developers do, and that I think is a mistake, is to focus just on the major streamers. Like, oh, like I really want to have PewDiePie play my game, and then like <laughs> I don't know, you have someone putting a lot of money for that, and then you have a, a little spike at some point, and then that's done. <laughs> like for us, we never like it, it's great to have that. But it's also great to make sure that you're a smaller streamer, like you want to encourage that um, that community, and and that's what we've been doing. When when I mentioned we reached the the first page on Twitch uh, during our first open beta, we had a, a whole bunch of smaller streamers, sometimes like really small streamers. We would still like taking care of them and sending them keys and and answering their questions into if they had technical issues, trying to troubleshoot it with them. We were very um, aligned with that and very encouraging of smaller streamers picking up the game and trying um, it's a lot of effort uh, but it's something we've been doing again and again and we've had people like wonderbots uh, who was one of the one of the people who streamed the f- during the first open betas doesn't have the community of Pudi- of pewdiepie uh, but he's been with us for a while and now that the game is coming out he's coming back and saying oh like by the way like can you give me a key when the game is out because i want to stream it again and for us it's important to maintain that relationship because we take care of our community, uh, be it players, be it streamers, and and I think that's something they can feel too, where uh, they feel like, yeah, like doesn't matter if you have a smaller amount of of, of uh, subscribers on your channel. What matters mm-hmm. is like if you like the game and you like what we're doing, like we want to have you on board, and and that's really something we put a lot of focus on. So as you said, we're less than a month away. What are these final few weeks like for you? And I know we got a good look at it during E3 and everything, but uh, can we expect some some more sneak peeks here prior to? Launch? Absolutely, there's gonna be there's gonna be it's gonna be a jam packed month. Uh, we have a lot of uh, of things uh, that we're gonna announce, reveal. Um, it's gonna be quite the exciting month uh, on our side. It's gonna be make sure that uh, um, the final version that we launch on July 27th on PC, PS4, and PS5 is absolutely ready. Um, and then next up is going to be preparing for what's next. And, and there is no end in sight to what's <laughs> next. We really want to make sure that that game lives to its uh, full potential. We're going to be spending a lot of years, hopefully, maintaining that game, adding new content with the community. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's those are the next steps for us. It, I wouldn't call it more of the same because it's going to be different. Uh, but still, like it's tries being such a sandbox game. Um, it's just you're adding to the sandbox, right? So mm-hmm. it just never, it's never something you remove. You just add and add and add, and you can add so many things that, uh, yeah, sky is the limit. So, yeah, very excited to finally release it so that players can get their hands on it. Because, again, hard to explain what we do sometimes. Uh, much easier to understand once you play. You play 30 minutes, you're like, okay, I get the game. I get what it is. I, I get what they're trying to do and what they're doing. Um, so yeah, excited for for that phase, and very excited to to push new uh, new updates later down the road. Yeah, see, we're just amongst friends here. So, is there something that you want to reveal right now? <laughs> uh, I uh, I don't know. Um, I wish I wish I wish I could uh, reveal some stuff. But yeah, uh, in the next in the next couple of weeks, uh, you'll you'll learn some uh, some new things about the game as well. Uh, we have some uh, some cool content uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna showcase. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, you haven't seen the end of tribes and, uh, you haven't seen everything either. Perfect. All right. So here's, here's the tough question. I'm going to give you 
four other people that you can go in on tribes with from your team, who are you choosing to make your ultimate five-person team? <laughs> uh, I know who I would choose internally uh, <laughs> among our employees because we have some that are more specialized. Something we yeah we didn't we didn't really mention is that yeah tribes has eight classes. So on top of everything I said, that's another big aspect is that it's also an RPG. So as you play, you gain levels. As you gain level, your character becomes stronger. Um, then you can choose to specialize in one of the uh, eight classes. And once you choose a class, you're locked to that class for the length of your session. And then you have what we call blessings. So in your skill tree, you can then purchase some skills. And it makes playing very different. Uh, some um, Those eight classes are, have very different unique abilities and ways to approach the game. So what you want to do for those eight, uh, four people is try to get at least one of each uh, main type. So we have four elements in the game. Uh, mm-hmm. We have dark, thunder, fire, and ice. If you can get in those eight people at least one of each um because like the ice is more of the the defender the tank whereas the fire is more of the dps um so so yeah that would be my recommendation make sure that you have a well-rounded team and that they don't all play the same class because there is a lot of of value in 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 varying your roles um that uh, that is very important yeah, let me ask you real quick on the RPG elements. You know, if, if we're looking on on the scale of of how deep RPG elements can go into a game, how did you decide where to kind of fall on on that scale there? Mm-hmm. It's 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 hard to to put it into a scale. I would say we spend a lot of time uh, making sure that it would feel like an RPG. So that's why crafting is extremely important. You have uh, item rarities. All of your spells that you can cast, because there is spell casting, but all the spells you can cast are embedded in the weapons you craft. So that makes also the game very replayable, where you say, well, I want to craft that sword. I don't have the material, but this session I have this, these materials so that I can craft this hammer. And this hammer has different abilities. It's a bit like in Guild Wars 2, where the weapon has the abilities. So there's a, a lot of focus on the actual character building through the classes, but also through the equipment uh, you can have. And on top of that, we have a whole layer of, (laughs) I call it the layer of chaos, Uh, but we call them runes. And those runes are modifiers that are, some are pretty wild. Like you just kill an enemy and then you have fireworks that are spreading all around, killing other enemies that also go into fireworks. Um, And so you combine those things together or you have a shield that allows you to heal when you block well. If you play with the Guardian class that is very centered around the shield and you have increased shield durability on top of having skills with your shield, well, it's great. It's a great synergy because if you have that rune and that class, then all of a sudden you're healing yourself very quickly. So I would say the three layers of the cake with the classes, equipment crafting, and those runes, the three together, like we keep on on, on finding new combinations of like, oh, but if you play if you play the uh, ranger and you have this thing with a fire shot with uh, with your bow, the quick shot, and then you have that rune that makes you shoot further and that other rune that sometimes generates a projectile when you attack, then it becomes almost like a machine gun and you do these two together. And so, yeah, we're constantly finding new ways to, to play with the game. Um, and in that context, there is a lot of depth and, and a lot of things to know um, and a lot of synergies in between classes, equipment, and runes. And, you know, the question I always like to end with is if there's a young future game developer out there, what's one piece of advice that you wish you knew when you were starting out that you think would have helped your career thus far? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I would say never be afraid of, of trying things. And especially 
if you're a game developer, prototype. That is the, the best thing you can do. Prototype from a very early age. You have more and more programs that are, and I mean software, like that are accessible uh, to do programming or that are uh, being easier and easier to get into. But even things like the, the Nintendo Lab, um, things like that. It's not prototyping per se, but just having the, the understanding of how a software or a game works, playing around with this, or being Roblox, where you can kind of uh, prototype things, or in Dreams, or um, with Unreal and the uh, ton of tutorials you can get on, on the internet. There's so many avenues now where you can just try things for yourself, even at a very early age. Uh, I would totally advise that you, yeah, start early, start playing with these things. like Because game design is all about, it. it's like cooking. It's not a science per se. You know what works and what doesn't. Uh, I don't think like it, there are some recipes that, yeah, you can try to make happen, but my chances are it's probably not going to taste so good. And game design is a bit like that. You never know. What we're trying to do is, is to provide fun. And fun is, is not something you can quantify. You cannot say I had 90, 90 fun today versus 95 when I done that. Like it's so it's kind of an art slash science um just like cooking and so yeah the more the earlier you get into that logic of knowing what kind of ingredients pair well with others whereas others don't really work together and the more games you play the more you kind of get that sense of what you can do from a game designer perspective at least and yeah the earlier you can start the better and with so many free games available now it's not the the threshold uh the uh, level uh, barrier of entry has never been lower than it is now so it's very encouraging for for younger kids of of all backgrounds to now be able to to get into that industry perfect tribes of midgard will be released on july 27th on the ps4 ps5 and steam julian thank you so much for joining us thank you lucas where can people follow to find out more about the game uh, the best is really to uh, head out to tribesofmidgar.com. You have access to all of our uh, social media links. Uh, but yeah, we're very active on many platforms, uh, including Discord. So yeah, don't hesitate to drop us a line or two community managers, GP and Cindy will uh, be super happy to answer to you. Fantastic. I know I can't wait. I know Ryan is super excited as well for this game. Thank you for everyone, to everyone for listening. If you're listening in the United States, have a safe and wonderful Independence Day weekend. Ryan will be back next week. And you guys know what it is. We love your faces.